Today I lift my eyes to the heavens and count my blessings. I think of all my needs that were met today. The clothes on my back. A place to lie down tonight. Nothing miraculous or earth-shattering. Just the small things that help keep me going day after day. Thank you, God. I have food on my table, health to get me through the day. Good memories I've shared. All the beauty that makes life special. Thank you, God. I'm blessed by what I can see and touch. What I can feel in the moment. But Lord, you transcend feelings and moments. You sacrificed your life so that I could see beyond what's under my feet and over my head. Thank you, God. That kind of love keeps my heart free. During seasons where peace is hard to come by, even when I can't see or touch a blessing, I know I can close my eyes and say, thank you, God. I've, I've lost a lot this year. Things I worked hard for. Dreams I was sure were gonna come true. People I never wanted to say goodbye to. I walked a hard path of trial. And pain and despair. But I never walked it alone. Even now, I can say thank you, God. Because no matter what is set before me. Dark valleys or green pastures. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And when this life is over, I'll dwell with you in your house forever. So I just want to stop and tell you. Thank you, God. 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 Well, good morning. Great to have you worshiping with us here at Faith Bible Church. Excited to have you on this kind of pre-Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, before I dive into today's message, I just want to take a minute and again reiterate our gratitude to those who were part of the Thanksgiving basket drive. I know several of you have uh, contributed to that to obviously provide a Thanksgiving meal for those families that are in need. And then several of you were here uh, yesterday morning putting those baskets together and then also distributing uh, those baskets to families. My understanding is, is uh, we were able to help, I believe, 37 or 39 families within Guthrie County, just giving them essentially just a little bit of uh, help and hopefully uh, something to be grateful for, uh, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. So again, thank you to all of you who are part of that uh, wonderful way to reach out to the community. Also want to just take a minute and thank the community for their help in providing for the food pantry as well. This morning, uh, we are transferring over, if you can believe it, from our study in 2 Peter just to a sermon on developing an attitude of gratitude, given the fact that we are moving toward Thanksgiving. And what I'd like to do is this. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but to be honest with you, there is nothing to me that is more unattractive than a grumpy Christian. And I know that's harsh, but it's really true. Think through our testimony for a minute. If people look at us and we are grumbling about our lives, now I understand that there are hardships, that there are times in our life where there are difficulties. 
But if someone comes to you and you are essentially complaining about this, that, or the other thing, the things that you don't have, the things that you haven't gotten, the things that you're not grateful for, and then in that conversation you mention to them that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, how does that deflate the testimony of the greatest gift that we've been given? which is salvation in our Lord and Savior Jesus, and an opportunity to dwell with him in his house forever. One of the things that I want to encourage us in is just to look at the ways that we can develop an attitude of gratitude, to practice thanksgiving. As we look in scriptures, I'm going to just touch on a few areas that talk about giving thanks, and a variety of different ways that we can be grateful. But my encouragement to all of us is to really look at how do we develop an attitude of gratitude in our life. And just a couple of uh, seconds ago, we saw this video. And what I find so interesting in this, if you look at the aspect of that video, you see individuals who are grateful. You see individuals who are grateful for the gifts that they've been given. But then we also recognize that those individuals have had or were going through a hard time. And what I will tell you is this, that there's nothing greater in our testimony for Jesus than watching individuals who we know who are struggling, who have gone through or are going through something difficult, and yet they have an attitude of gratitude. And that attitude is because of who they are in Jesus Christ and the blessings that they have because of him and the hope that they have because of him. And so this morning as we're moving into Thanksgiving, I want to take a minute and I want to help us go a little bit deeper in our walk with Jesus. I love the Thanksgiving holiday. It's one of my favorites. It's kind of one of those areas where we recognize that historically speaking, this was the time when the harvest would come in, all of sort of the fruits of the labor from the summer and the fall would be gathered, the store bins would be full, the food would then be there to help those people essentially get through sort of the difficulty or the challenges of winter. I know back in school we would always kind of draw pictures and we'd have the big turkey kind of things that we would make. We would talk about the pilgrims and the Indians coming together and sitting down and sharing a meal. And all of those things are great. But what I want to ask you is how can we go deeper? On Thanksgiving Day, how can we sit around the table and speak to the gratitude of who we are in Jesus versus the gratitude for the things that we have. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. But so often at Thanksgiving dinner, we go around and we say, I'm thankful for, insert, materialistic blessing. And what I want to challenge you in is this. If none of those things were there, would we still be grateful for who we are and what we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And when we develop that attitude of gratitude, when we are grateful for what we have in Jesus, despite circumstance, that is when the testimony that we have rings true to the world that we realize we are blessed in Jesus Christ and what the world gives and what the world takes away doesn't matter because we're part of God's kingdom. So this morning... If you would, we're going to go through just a couple of passages in Scripture. I'm going to speak to them and encourage us prayerfully uh, that in this we will leave with hopefully means 
as well as opportunity to develop an attitude of gratitude. The question this morning, obviously it's up on the back screen, is how do you develop an attitude of gratitude? And first and foremost, I want to tell you this, that it is practiced. It is something like a muscle that we must exercise. It is something where we must choose to be grateful. We must look at things, we must look at situations, and look at them through the lens of our Savior Jesus, and recognize that as we all go through ebbs and flows, twists and turns that this broken world will bring, that we can be grateful regardless of what circumstance we might find ourselves in, because what we have been given and have and are promised in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the first thing that I want to encourage you in, it comes out of James 1.17, and that is simply this, that understand that everything good in your life comes from God. The first thing that I want to encourage you with, and I think this is somewhat foundational in developing an attitude of gratitude, is look at what is good in your life, right? And right now you might be sitting there saying, I'm not sure what is good in my life. And lovingly, what I want to tell you is, the majority of the world doesn't have a sanctuary like this to sit in with lights, heat, fans, microphones, chairs. They don't have a home to go to. They don't have a place to rest. The average salary of the world is like $3 a day, if that. And so to be grateful for what we've been given, we are an extremely blessed nation. To be grateful for the things that you have to be grateful for health, to be grateful for the fact that you're sitting next to family, to be grateful for the fact that we can sit here this morning without fear of being persecuted and teach and preach the message of the gospel, not in fear that individuals will come and imprison us or martyr us for our faith. There are so many things to be grateful for. But the other thing that I want to ask is this, when something good in your life happens, when you have set a goal and accomplish it, when you get that new job, when you get that raise, when whatever it is that you are working for happens, what's your immediate reaction? Are you pleased in yourself? Or are you grateful to God? for what's been given to you. Because every good gift comes from God. I'll just read the passage. James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now there's a lot of theology in that statement, but the first thing that I want to ask is simply this. On a practical level, when something good happens, is your immediate reaction to be grateful because of you and what you have done, or do you give thanks to God for the blessing that he has provided for you? And what I want to encourage you in is when we realize that what we have been given is a gift from God, that foundationally begins to transform our hearts from self-preservation and self-acclimation to sacrifice service love and grace, which is what we're called to be as followers of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to take a minute, and I want to just throw this out to you. Uh, I want you to look back in this year 
And I want you to think about areas that we can be grateful. What are those areas? And interestingly enough, I'm just going to kind of walk through a little exercise for me personally, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how either we could become grumpy or we could be grateful. And the simple thing, and I'll just talk about this, is obviously, praise God, we are moving past or prayerfully away from COVID. And to be honest, the past several months during COVID were quite challenging. Uh, we weren't able to have service. We were concerned on whether or not what would happen with the church. We had to think outside of the box. There were all of these strains that we had to overcome. Church attendance was down. We were concerned about finances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we could be grumpy. We could be upset. Or we could look at it and say, wow, look at what God has done. Look at how God provided for us and sustained us with mercy, love, and grace through a challenging season. Look now at the blessing of that season as we move out of COVID. Now, on that, it's just sort of two polar opposites. We could either grumble and complain, or we could be grateful for the provision of God. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you, in your life, where are some areas or some things that you can be grateful for? And then, can you say, God, thank you for that gift, because you are the one who has blessed me with it. The other thing that I would encourage you in is, is after we understand that everything good in our life comes from God, therefore we should get into the habit of regularly giving thanks to God. That comes from 1 Chronicles 16.34. Now, just a brief sort of aspect of what's going on here. This is the chronicler taking psalms from David and putting it into essentially a song of praise and thanksgiving to God. And kind of in sort of the middle to the ending part of this song, the culmination is, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And so a couple of things that I want to ask. Are you regularly giving thanks to God? Is that a habit of practice? Is that something on a nightly basis, you lay your head on the pillow and you say, you know, thank you, Lord, for getting me through this day. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done today. Thank you, Lord, for X, Y, and Z. Or is it a grumble? Is it, God, you haven't done this. Why hasn't this happened? Where are you? What are you doing? One of the things that I want to encourage you in is... When you begin to develop a habit or practice of regularly giving thanks, it will mentally change how you view life. Sit down and look and write down five things that you can be grateful for before you go to bed. And realize that those things that you can be grateful for come from the blessing of God. And here's what I'll tell you. Praise God that his love endures forever. Are we grateful for that? Lovingly, I really want to say this. Are we grateful that his love endures forever? The fact of that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ... 
we become His. And it is His unconditional, irrevocable, undeniable, as Scripture says, agape in the Greek love, that enwraps us. And that in that, as we stumble, bumble, and fall in life, because none of us are perfect, we can go to God and ask for His forgiveness, and we are forgiven, and it's forgotten, and we are loved. Are we grateful for the fact that there isn't a timer on God's love? That it's, I'll love you for a certain period, or I'll love you until, but after that, I won't love you anymore. Are we grateful for the fact that when we think about the enduring forever love of God, that includes the blessing of us going to be with God in his kingdom throughout eternity, where there's no more sin, no more hurt, no more pain? When we look around the world and we see the struggles that are there, are we grateful for the fact that we've inherited that promise because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us? Or are we coming to church grumbling about the fact that we don't have this, that, and the other thing? And so what I ask is, are you in a habit of regularly giving thanks to God? Is that a practice in your life? Is that something that you can do? And another challenge is this. What can you be grateful for? There's so much that we've been given. So many blessings that we have. Not only materialistically, but spiritually being blessed in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Friends, if we have nothing materialistically and all we have is Jesus, we have everything in the world. We have the promise of God we are no longer guilty of the sins of which we've committed. We've inherited the, internal king, or the eternal kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the living king, adopted and grafted into his family with an eternal promise. Is that enough? And so friends, I ask, are we in a habit of regularly giving thanks to God? Thank you, Lord for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you were willing to go to the cross on my and our behalf. Thank you that you endured the cross, scorning its shame, when you easily could have said, that's it, I'm done, I'm God, all is what I want. He could have called 10,000 angels, said, I'm done, I'm over, this isn't worth it, you aren't worth it. I'm the creator, and here I'm hanging on the cross for what you have done. And yet, he does. And not only does he do it, but he does it with a grateful heart. He doesn't do it begrudgingly. He does it lovingly. And is that enough? Friends, so often I see individuals turn on God because they don't get what they want, how they want, and when they want it, because they have this vision of God that he exists to be a genie in the sky, giving us whatever we want, however we want it, and whenever we want. And friends, what I want to tell you is the loving question that I ask back is salvation enough? Inheritance in his kingdom enough? Moving from death to life enough? Knowing that we need no longer fear death because we have eternal life enough.
and are we grateful for it? Friends, we can develop an attitude of gratitude first by understanding that everything good in our life comes from God. And because of this, we should get into the habit of regularly giving thanks to God. Lovingly, in your prayer time, what I ask is this. I want you to look at your prayers. I want you to look and analyze how you are praying. And just take some time, okay? And I want you just to say and see how much of this prayer is me asking versus how much of this prayer is me thanking and praising. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking, but there is something wrong when all we're doing is asking and we're not giving thanks for what we've been given. I'm just going to liken it to this. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. Can't wait till the kids open up their gifts. Very excited about what that will do. But I will tell you this, they will be asking and they will be asking and they will be asking and they will be asking. The question is, will they, will they be thankful for what they've been given? Will we be thankful for what we've been given? Will we turn to God and say, thank you Lord for what you have done for us and the blessedness that we have? as we unwrap, quote-unquote, and this is sort of an analogy, the gifts under the Christmas tree, will we be grateful for the greatest gift that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the life that we have through him? The other thing that I want to encourage you in is as we recognize that we can get into a habit of regularly giving thanks to God, we can also do this by expressing our gratitude regardless of the situation. Friends, one of the things that I want to tell you is there is nothing more encouraging to me to watch individuals who I know are going through a challenging or a gut-wrenching situation. And I'm not saying that they're Pollyannic in their attitudes. I know that they're hurting. I know that they have tears. I know that they have moments of brokenness. And that's fine. That's good. That's human. That's who we are. But to see them turn and to say, even though I am hurting, even though this is gut-wrenching, even though this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through, I will give thanks to God, my Savior, because I know He loves me, He is there, He will not leave me nor forsake me, even though this situation is bleak. And so, friends, lovingly, I say to this, as 1 Thessalonians 5:18 exhorts, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do we give thanks in all circumstances because of who God is? And lovingly, I will tell you, it isn't easy. I'm not saying that I've perfected it. I'm not saying that I have it all together. But what I will tell you is this that in those moments of challenge, in those moments of hardship, in those moments of unclarity, in those moments of hoped dreams not being realized, you can go one of two ways. You can go and you can become bitter, or, as a good friend of mine once said, you can become better. And the way that you become better is by giving thanks to God in all circumstances. It draws the heart. It draws the heart to be grateful for what has been given. 
it turns the eyes from the material to the celestial, or I will say heaven, to the kingdom. And when we turn our eyes to the kingdom and what we've been promised because we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we develop that attitude or habit that enables us to move toward giving thanks to God in all circumstances. Let me put this another way. Do you give thanks to God when all is good? Amen, I do. I will be 100% honest, okay? Please hear me, I'm up here, and most likely I should be sitting there listening to me preach, right? Easy to give, and it's, and it's great. When all is good, when everything that you're doing, it's all coming together, all is well, it's easy to give praise to God. But what about those days where you're doing the best that you can? You're doing everything that you can do to the best of your ability, and something goes wrong that's outside of your control. And it hurts, and it's hard, and it's painful. Do we stop giving thanks to God? One of the things that I want to encourage you in is God's love for you in Jesus Christ, agape, is unconditional, irrevocable, and undeniable. And so friends, if God's love for you in agape love is unconditional, irrevocable, and undeniable in Jesus, and we've inherited that because of who we are in Christ, is our love for Him unconditional, irrevocable, and undeniable? Praise God that He doesn't say, Trevor, I will love you if, or I will love you when. Praise God that He says, Trevor, I love you, period, because of my Son, and so when I reflect and recall that in my life, that's what turns my heart to say, God, even in this circumstance that isn't what I want or what I planned or what I hoped for, thank you and I love you unconditionally, undeniably, and irrevocably. And friends, I ask, can we do that? And we do that by understanding that every good gift comes from Jesus, regularly getting into the practice of giving thanks to God and expressing our gratitude regardless of the situation. The other thing that I want to encourage you in is this. Instead of indulging in the flesh, we can show uh, and choose to be filled with the Spirit. We look at Ephesians, and there's so much going on in this passage, but these couple of verses encourage us to really look to walking with the Spirit of God and not indulging in fleshly attitude. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to another one, one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, what I want to ask is this. When challenging situations come, do we go to God for our source of strength or do we go to fleshly things to bring about relief, removal, What's your first choice? What's your first movement? Do you go to him and say, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God? Or like the world, do we move toward, essentially, 
the appetite of the flesh to either mask, remove, hide, numb the pain that we might be having. And one of the things that I want to encourage you in is, is as you become filled with the Spirit more and more, that then develops this greater attitude of gratitude. As that attitude of gratitude is further developed, we're able to give thanks to God all the more for who He is and what He does in our life. And so there's this reciprocal effect that sort of compounds itself as we turn to God and trust in Him as He wraps His arms around us and encourages us in who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we look and we see that we can choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to take a minute and I want to ask you, are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Now please hear me. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become a believer. We become a son or daughter of the living King. Scripture tells us, essentially, that the Holy Spirit indwells us or is part of us. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what I want to encourage you in is this. Think about this for a minute. God has eternally existed. God has always been. But we know in the Old Testament that God dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where he was housed. And people were close to God. But to get to God, to be close to God, the only person that could do so was the great high priest. One time a year where they would make an offering. If you or I were not part of this elite one, went to the ark and tried to get close to God, we would have the Indiana Jones scene. But God wasn't done there. God said, I'm dwelling among you. I want to be with you. He wanted to be with his people. But then watch this. God says, this isn't my ultimate plan. I want to be ultimately with you. I want you to be where I dwell. A sin-laden individual who is my enemy, I want to dwell with you. And so God does the unimaginable, and he gives us his son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to come and be fully God and fully man and dwell among the world. And the mission of his son, the second person of the Trinity, is to go to the cross and die upon it on our behalf. Scorning its shame, removing the ridicule, and giving thanks and praise to God for the mission that he has been given. And Jesus does so and rises from the grave, triumphing over sin and death, which we celebrate at Easter, granting us the opportunity to have eternal life because of the mercy and grace of God. And then we know that Jesus ascends into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That's a lot. 
But then God says, I'm going to move to the third person of the Trinity. And as I have dwelt in the ark, a nice, cushy, penthouse dwelling, I am now, as we celebrate in Acts chapter 2, going to give my spirit to you. The shanty shack of desperation. That's where I choose to dwell. And that shanty shack becomes a holy temple, not because of who we are, but because of the Spirit of God. Do we give thanks for that? Friends, when we're filled with the Spirit, I question and I ask, do we emulate the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, lovingly, I'm going to tell you that I'm not batting a thousand on every one of those attributes all the time, every day. But prayerfully, lovingly, as, as I examine my life, I pray and I hope that each day that I journey with my Savior Jesus, that those attributes become fuller, wholer, and more because of who He is. And the lusts and passions of the flesh become less and less because of who He is. And so we can give thanks to God by being filled with the Spirit and practicing and developing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We don't do it alone. It's not solely up to us. We have the Spirit of God in us, but we must exercise those attributes and develop them and cultivate them in our life. The final thing that I'd like to say is this, and it's a little bit different. Earlier I said that we can do this, essentially giving thanks by expressing our gratitude regardless of the situation. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you've done. This one's a little bit deeper and it's no matter what circumstance, we can take joy in the God of our salvation. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18 says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, though we have nothing, Though there is no material blessing, though all of what the world values is not here. Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice. But notice the subject of the rejoicing. So there's the choice to rejoice. But what's the subject? In the Lord. The strength that Habakkuk or Habakkuk, however you would like to pronounce it, has 
to be able to rejoice is the close, intimate relationship that he has with God. And so, in this challenging circumstance, where the prophet is recognizing that all of these things are going to be taken away, and P.S., by the way, if you read the story of Habakkuk, it's not just for a little while. It's, it's bad now, and it's going to get even worse. Habakkuk can say, even though this isn't good, I am going to rejoice. And the subject of my rejoicing, the subject of my giving thanks, the subject of my gratitude is the Lord. Why? Because he is my God. Submissive, not because I am a guy or a girl who has this God that I tell what to do, when to do, how to do it, and where to do it. No, he's my God. But not only is he my God, he is my Savior. Savior from what? Savior from condemnation. Savior from being set apart from God, which the scriptures say is hell. Saved from an eternity of desperation, dryness, desoluteness, and brought to an eternity of hope, joy, peace, love, mercy, grace. No sin, no hurt, no pain where the presence of God is there. The sun and the stars are no longer needed because the glory of God is what provides the light to those whom are in the kingdom. And so friends, what I want to ask, and this is exactly what is happening in the book of Habakkuk, is be grateful for what we have. Be grateful for what we've been given. Those are the cherries on the Sunday. But my question is, if the fig tree were to fall, if there are no grapes in your, on your vines, if the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, if we have no sheep and we have no cattle in the stalls, lovingly I ask, can we rejoice? And can we rejoice in God who is our Savior? And so the challenge becomes moving to God and being grateful for who he is and what he's given rather than moving to the expectation of God to give. Do you see the difference? Be grateful for what God has given, not asking for God to give. And when God gives, be grateful that you have what's been given and God has chosen to give. But also be grateful if God chooses to take away. How do we develop an attitude of gratitude? Friends, as we move forward to Thanksgiving, it's an exciting time. It's an opportunity to sit back and look at the blessings in your life. It's an opportunity to look back materialistically and say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And that's not a bad thing. I encourage you to do that. But lovingly, I encourage you this Thanksgiving to go a little deeper. My loving encouragement to you is to sit around the table and to say, how has God worked in your life and what can you be thankful for in him? 
How has he transformed you? How has he changed you? How has he been merciful and graceful? How has he moved your life? What has he done? And friends, lovingly, he's done something because God is living and active. God is working in your life. And when you find those things and you begin to write them down and thank God for it, that's how you begin to develop this attitude of gratitude. And so again, as I've said, first and foremost, recognize that everything good in your life is from God. Give thanks to him for it. I encourage you to get in the habit of regularly giving thanks to God. Writing it down. Taking some time. Exercising that. I encourage you to express gratitude regardless of the situation. Be thankful for whatever situation that you are in. One of the ways that we can do this is when challenge comes or when life happens, not to indulge in the flesh, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to be the one that leads, guides, and directs our life. And then ultimately recognize that no matter what circumstance we're in, take joy in the God of our salvation. And to be grateful for the salvation that we've been given. Essentially, I'm summarizing this again. We develop an attitude of gratitude when we habitually practice giving thanks to the God of our salvation, no matter what the circumstance or situation. And so what I'd like to do, I have a couple of minutes here, is I want to just take a moment and give you a few minutes just to sit quietly and thank God for something that he is or is doing in your life. Write it down if you want to. And then what I want you to do is after having done that this week, I want you to go back and exercise that thanksgiving by looking at what God has done. Perhaps lovingly at the Thanksgiving table, maybe you would choose to share that with family or friends when possibly the question comes, we have a lot to be thankful for. What is it that you're grateful for? And to share that with them and see where that might take people in spiritual conversations. Let's take a minute. I'll sit quietly, give you a moment, and then we'll conclude in prayer.
you. And we just thank you for you. We thank you for each person that is with us this morning. We pray for those that can't be with us for whatever reason. And Lord, I pray that as we move to Thanksgiving, um, as we look to an opportunity to give thanks, that we would continue to develop an attitude of gratitude. Father, may we realize that really the source of that gratitude is you. And so in that, Father, may we recognize how blessed we are because of you. May we realize what we've been given, the great gift of salvation, the good news of the gospel, that no matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what we have done or not done, that we can cry out to you. And what you have done on the cross is wholly sufficient. You have paid for our sins wholly and fully. And so in that, Lord, when we say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And we place our faith and trust in you and have you become Lord of our life. We are adopted into your kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the living king. We have an internal inheritance, and that is a promise that is firm and secure. And so in that, no matter what happens in this life, the ebbs and flows, the twists and turns, the joys, the pains, the successes and the struggles, ultimately what we have is you. And so I pray as we move to Thanksgiving and then as we move into Advent, it's hard to believe that we are coming to the end of the year. I pray that we would give thanks and that in giving thanks, that would then turn our hearts to this anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. Father, we're sort of on the other side of Jesus' coming. As we look in Scripture, we realize that for several uh, years, thousands of years, individuals were awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. And then, as we celebrate at Christmas, the Messiah comes in an infant babe lying in a manger who holds the world in his hands, yet is being held by the world in their hands. Who lives, dies, and gives life, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And so, Lord, as the world looked in anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah, we, the other side of the coming of the Messiah, now look to the second coming of the Messiah, our Savior Jesus. And Father, with that, we look with excited hearts and lives, recognizing that when he comes again, he will establish his kingdom. He will defeat the enemy. He will find Satan. There will be no more hurt, no more pain, no more sin in the world. And those who are his will dwell with him in his kingdom, eating at the banquet feast. Lord, for all of those reasons and many, many more, may we give thanks to you. We praise you. We love you. We ask these things in your name, dear Jesus. And we ask it by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's children say, amen.